New Vision is a church that is about guiding people to lives of gospel transformation. Whether this is your first time listening with us or you're a regular listener, we're so happy that you're here. Monday through Friday, we release a podcast studying through a book of the Bible. Right now, we've focused our attention to the Gospel of John. Again, we're happy that you're here. We know God's going to do something great. Hey guys, we are in day two going through the Gospel of John. We have our men's pastor, Brad White. Brad, welcome. What an honor to be with you again, Robert. Honor to be with you, man. A question that we've asked some of uh, our staff is why? Why did you get into ministry? Do you mind sharing a little bit about that today? Yeah, the super short answer is God chose me to be in ministry. I actually ran from the call. I feel like I'm kind of a modern day Jonah. Um, I knew God had called me to ministry and I was like, I don't want any part of this. My dad is a pastor. So I saw some of the ugly side of ministry Mm. and I just didn't want anything to do with it. And so I went and got a degree in recreation business and was doing well at the YMCA, was loving it and kind of had my whole career path planned out. and And it was happening for you. Yeah, it was going well. And then God had other plans and, and, um, here I am, man. And now that I finally stepped into it, it's unbelievable. Can't imagine doing anything else. Well, I'm glad you're here, man. Today, uh, we're reading through, uh, the last part of John. I'm going to read that. We're going to be reading out of the NIV reading, uh, verses 29 through 51. Uh, but I'm going to, Brad asked me to read just the first few verses and he's going to give us some thoughts and we're going to roll with it. You guys ready? All right, let's go. John 1, 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him. But the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Yeah, so I think the first question, Robert, that I have when I read this is, Why is John baptizing? Because we know that baptism, of course, is an outward symbol of an inward commitment that we've made to put our faith and trust in Christ. And so Christ at this point is just starting his ministry. He hasn't died on the cross for anyone's sins. And so I think it's important for us to understand that John here is baptizing for the the repentance of sin to prepare people for the Messiah. Because, of course, like Nick talked about yesterday, John's whole role was to prepare the way of the Messiah. In verse 30, uh, it says this. It says, this is what I meant when I said, a man comes before me who has surpassed me because he was before me. So bringing this down, basically John is saying, Jesus is greater than I am because Jesus is God. He is pointing out who Jesus is and why Jesus came in this passage. You want to read the rest of us, uh, the rest of the verses for us, 32 through 51? 32 through 51. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that John John had said and who had followed Jesus. 
The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when, tra- which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip. He said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one who Moses, the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything come from Nazareth? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you. I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So in verse 32, John is really just affirming that Jesus is the Messiah. And then as we step into the second part of the verses we're looking at, 35 through 51, what really resonates with me is the charisma of Jesus. Understand that this is a guy who's walking up to a group of men that he does not know, and he tells them, come and follow me, and they do it. Think about what that would take for you to immediately trust someone to that degree. And just to give us some context, in a Jewish society, men would have taken their skill, their work, their trade, most likely from their father. This would have been something that they would have learned as a child, that they would have developed. This would have been their means of security, their means of making income. And so when they choose to follow Jesus, they're laying down their security. They're laying down their trade to put their trust and faith and follow Jesus. So Jesus is so captivating that they're willing to lay all of that down and to put their faith and trust in where he is going to lead them. What a lesson for us. I want to spend the rest of our time looking at one verse, verse 29. It says this, The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I don't know about you, but when when I read scripture, I like to change the translations and like to see what it looks like in other translations. Maybe a word changes or a phrase changes. And in the message, there's a really, really cool uh, version of this verse 29. It says this, the very next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and yelled out, here is God's Passover lamb. He forgives the sins of the world. This is uh, really, really specific language to call Jesus the Lamb of God or the Passover Lamb. And for most Jews, they would read this, Jesus being called the Lamb of God, the Passover Lamb, and they would understand exactly what it meant. For, but for us, there's a maybe a little bit of confusion. So I want to kind of dive into this phrase, Passover Lamb or Lamb of God, and really get understanding of just what John is saying so that it connects with us the same way that it would have to the original audience. So to do so, we need to look back at Exodus 12, and I'm just going to give us an overview of what's happening in Exodus 12. The children of Israel are in captivity in Egypt. 
they have found themselves enslaved and God has called Moses to bring the children of Israel out of this captivity. And so God allows Moses to go and to be his voice and to ask for the children of Israel to be able to be removed. And of course, we know the series of plagues that occur. Uh, There's 10 plagues, things like darkness, blood in the water. There's gnats, there's locusts, all sorts of things. Well, after nine of them, Pharaoh's heart is still hard and he's unwilling to let the children of Israel go. And so finally, the 10th plague comes and the 10th plague is the angel of death. The angel of death is going to pass over all of Egypt and the firstborn in in every household is going to die. But God gives some specific measures for the children of Israel so that they can have death pass over them. And so beginning in Exodus 12, 5, I just want to read three verses here to give us kind of an understanding of what all is involved in this Passover celebration. It says, first, you must have an unblemished animal, a year old male that you may take from either sheeps or goats. And then the whole assembly and community of Israel will slaughter your animals at twilight. Now, this at twilight is very significant because for a Jewish person, their day really starts at moonrise. So when the moon has come up, the day has begun. So they're celebrating Passover right as the day is beginning. And then back into Exodus 12, 7, it says they must take some of the blood of the lamb and put it on their doorpost and around their houses from where they eat. So what's happening here is they're slaughtering this lamb and they're taking its blood and they're putting it over the doorframe of their house so that when the angel of death comes over Egypt that night, they are spared. Sure enough, they wake up in the morning and the firstborn of every household has passed away except for the children of Israel because the blood of the lamb has marked their house and has kept them safe. The Jews marked their houses with the blood of the lamb, and today we as believers, we mark our house or our bodies with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's blood, the blood of Christ, covers us, and death or eternal separation from God really passes over us the same way that death passed over the children of Israel. Each year, Passover is still celebrated by the Jews who are still waiting for Messiah to come, but we, of course, know that Jesus The promised Messiah has already come, and that Passover has been fulfilled through him. So when we celebrate communion, we think back to Jesus in this upper room with his disciples. They're celebrating Passover together, just as the moon has risen. The Passover celebration has begun. Shortly after Jesus is in the garden, he's arrested, and then he's crucified. And all of this happens on the day of Passover. It is not by coincidence, it's not by happenstance that Jesus, the Lamb of God, was given up as an atonement for us on Passover. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world gave up his life willingly so that death and eternal separation from God could pass over you and I. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Brad, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for those thoughts. Appreciate you, your ministry, all you're doing. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Join us tomorrow as we continue through the Gospel of John. See you guys then.